Hi, everyone. Welcome to Refine and Grow with Justin and Lindsay. My name is Lindsay Allen. And my name is Justin Euler, and this is your podcast for proven strategies on navigating and managing work life. The topic we're discussing today is how to navigate ambiguity, and we are going to go through some tips and tricks for successfully navigating ambiguity. And This is particularly helpful if you're starting a brand new role or starting with a new organization, or if you're taking on a new project or program initiative, you're sponsoring it or leading it, and not all information is known. We've got five tips in particular that we're going to walk you through for for how do you successfully navigate ambiguity in an organization. So start with the first tip is really about surveying your resources. And so what that means is figuring out what is available to you. Justin and I worked as management consultants together for five years. I mean, we still work in the consulting industry, but we combined have 20 plus years of experience. And when you're a management consultant, you get staffed on new projects every like six months to a year. So you're constantly in a new role with a new company. And typically they're not contacting you until there's a major issue and they need you to figure out how to help them quickly. And you're coming into this problem with no prior knowledge and oftentimes not even knowing anybody who works in the organization, except for maybe the manager who hired you. And so what I always did on my first day was just survey my resources. I looked at what are the internal tools. So every company has some kind of intranet page, an internal page that's got some sort of navigation form where you can look at different tools that exist and are available to you. One tool in particular that I always try to find is org charts or some kind of like acronym or terminology definition finder so that I can learn how to speak the language on my own. And I can see how is this org structured from the top down and where do I sit and who sits with me. I would also take myself on a self-guided tour. If you're so if you're starting a new job, it really helps for you to understand where are key conference rooms so that you can get there quickly when you have meetings. Um, how do I print and make copies where, you know, where's the mail room to get my mail, where is reception located, and even understanding the larger neighborhood. If you've got to grab lunch, what's, what are the options there? If you're running late to work one day and you've got to get gas, what are the options? Where are the different, you know, if you're working downtown in a busy city and you don't have assigned parking, where do you park? What are the garage options? What are the prices? And so it's almost like there's a lot you can do to pick apart ambiguity, navigate the ambiguity on your own within the first couple of days of just giving yourself a tour and going what resources are available and looking them up. And then you've always got other resources such as figure out who in your network, even if it's a personal network and not a professional network, has done anything like you've done before. So, you know, I'm, I'm training somebody right now to be a project manager and uh, she used to be an event manager. And so she's got this skill set already because managing all the ins and outs of a project are very similar to managing the ins and outs of an event. And so she's leaning on some of her personal network to learn about what pieces of event management did you learn from and take and to understand the project management skill set. So there's that. And there's also things like YouTube videos or just general internet research on templates or tools, Google image searches, that kind of stuff. But anything that's free to you, use those resources. And particularly if 
sometimes when you're starting a new role or taking on a new initiative, it's a little slower in the beginning. You've got a little bit of downtime and you're not sure how to fill it. And that's a great way to fill it. No, and you know, just to, just to key off of what you were saying around uh, survey your resources, I, I really, I really think of it as just being politely nosy, if you will, you kind of <laughs> need to get curious, yeah. right? It's really good to be curious and uh, just to poke around. I'm not talking about going through someone's files or looking at someone's laptop, but I think there is a sense of just that innate curiosity and just getting to know your your surroundings in all the ways that Lindsay discussed. But that inherent curiosity, I think, is really important to helping to understand what resources are available to you. You can really get a sense not only for the the facts and information that you need to gather, but you can really get a sense of the culture in which you're working just by paying attention and, and observing how people communicate, what they post up on the walls. Um, and all of those are great resources as you figure out how to navigate through the ambiguous circumstance. I think you're touching on something really important, and that is that you have to have this desire to learn and yeah, grow your skills totally. and be better. Totally. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, it's the fact of the matter is no matter what kind of circumstance you step into, there's always a period of time where there's uncertainty. There's a little bit of nausea. I I can literally remember feeling sick at times um, when I step into, and even today, step into meetings or situations where I'm like, I'm just unsure of myself, or I'm unsure of the direction that we need to go. Or sometimes I'm even unsure that there's a problem to solve or what that problem might be. And I think one of the best things you can do for your mental health and your physical well-being is just to take a step back and take a deep breath and accept the fact that you don't know what you don't know. And that's okay. In fact, you are likely in that situation because someone actually thinks that you could provide a way through that situation. So you're there for a reason. And the situation is going to be difficult by definition um, initially as you try to get your grounding and really start to understand what's happening. So I, I find acceptance is really, really important. Accepting the fact that you're in a difficult situation. Once you embrace that and you start to focus on kind of, okay, what's What's the business problem? What's the outcome I'm trying to drive towards? What are the resources that are around me to help me? Not only just the physical resources, but the logistical resources, the human uh, resources, the knowledge bases that you can draw from. I really find that suddenly you start to breathe, you start to get clarity, and you find yourself settling physically, mentally, and emotionally. That's really important in my career, both personally and and just observing different folks, folks who are not able to accept the fact that they don't know what they don't know. Uh, They really either, either freeze and kind of analysis paralysis and they're, they're no longer able to move like a scared, uh, like a deer in the headlights. They spin. spin. Yeah. They spin. Or I, I think, yeah, I think that's the other one, actually it's, it's doing nothing or it's like doing everything and not going anywhere. Right. And you just get caught in the spin cycle. And I've definitely been, I've definitely been more on the side of deer in the headlights. I actually had a disastrous project early in my career. I was put into a role, large reporting project global in scope. And I was the communications lead and I got so caught up and not knowing what to do and how to navigate. I stopped asking for help. I really stopped doing work and I kind of spun for gosh, eight weeks. And Mm -hmm. I actually ended up getting reassigned on the project uh, to a different role that was much more concrete and much more direct, but it was a huge lesson learned for me. 
sometimes, oftentimes you're going to be put in situations where you're just not sure where to go. And so you just have to take a step back, accept the fact that the situation is what it is. And then like, like Lindsay said, start to gather those resources, start to take experimental stabs in the direction that you need to go. In the army, we often said not making a decision is a decision. And so Mm -hmm. rather than making a passive decision and not doing anything or spinning, make a proactive decision and take a step forward. That's really the point where you really need to be flexible. At the front end of any major endeavor, there are a number of paths that you can go down and you have to be willing to form a hypothesis, experiment with that hypothesis. And when you realize you're not getting the results that you need to get, or it's not taking you the direction you need to go, you need to be willing to stop, pause, and kind of pivot, if you will. And it's, it's, it's wonderful because in that experimentation process, one, you learn a ton, you grow, and it really helps you to become a lot more agile and, and flexible as you, as you move throughout your career. And that flexibility and that agility, that adaptability, I think is what really differentiates you know, folks who are really good problem solvers and are able to navigate through that ambiguity. Um, and that's something that you can only get better at. Unfortunately, I'm hitting my late 40s and my, my soft tissue doesn't, isn't quite as nimble as it used to be. And so it requires a lot more stretching when I go and exercise. <laughs> this is one of those situations where actually you're going to become more flexible, more nimble as you move throughout your career. I actually had a boss in the army who retired recently as a four-star general. And he, when he was a full bird colonel, he would, he would tell us, I was a young Lieutenant junior captain. He used to tell us, you know, be flexible and agile. Those were really the things he kept pressing in on us, be flexible and agile, flexible and agile. And, and you can navigate just about through any circumstances if you have that flexible mindset. So it's critically important. I've seen time and time again, I'm in, I'm in the middle of ambiguity right now in my own career and learning how to navigate through some of that ambiguity. It still causes a little, still a little gut-wrenching, but again, just take a pause, breathe, accept, accept where you're at, form a hypothesis and, and start experimenting against that hypothesis and then be willing to pivot and adjust. And, and you, you eventually find that you start working your way out, out of that ambiguity and the clouds begin to lift and the sun comes out and, and you get clarity. Right. I'm coaching some people on navigating ambiguity right now. And we were talking about how it's just, it's just a part of life. It's in everything. I think about when I bought a house or had a baby or got married, no idea what I was doing. (laughs) You know, even just moving and going to a new grocery store for the first time, it's like you're constantly navigating ambiguity. And so I I think you have to recognize and accept that. And you and I, Justin, were talking earlier about, my first project as a consultant and and you were my manager and I was sort of waiting around for the client to tell me what to do. You know, I, I knew the general scope of our work, but it was something I had never done before. And so I, like you, just was paralyzed. I didn't know what's the first step that I take. I guess I just wait for this client to come tell me what to do. And I remember you saying to me, like, I'm not, not quite sure why you think you're unique in the fact that you deal with <laughs> ambiguity. <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting there waiting for somebody to train me. And then in talking to you, I had this realization of everybody's dealing with ambiguity. Nobody knows all the answers and exactly what's going to happen and how everyone's dealing with this. And so what you had said was it isn't about whether or not you're dealing with ambiguity. It is about how you're responding to it. 
And that's what people are watching for. And that's how you build a stronger reputation. Yeah, absolutely. If you can accept where you're at and, and start to find a way through it, you put yourself in a very small, I think, group of people who, who can work through those hard situations. And you're never going to have surety in life. And oftentimes we get we we stumble because we think everyone else around us really knows what's going on and we're the only ones not in the loop. And nine times out of 10, everyone else is trying to figure it out right next to you. So in, in a way, it's removing this sense of isolation and the sense that in a way you're a special snowflake and kind of recognizing that we're all in it. We're all trying to figure it out. And so what can we do to start, start navigating our way through it? I, I had a, I had a customer years ago who was a sailor. He talked about sailing. He's he was a sales and marketing guy. And um, he talked a lot about sailing on the San Francisco Bay and oftentimes fogged in, especially in the summer months. And he said, you, you never, when you're, when you're sailing, you never go from point A to point B in a straight line ever. And he said, and particularly when you're stuck in fog or inclement weather, that's more so the case. He said, you're always tacking. You're not only tacking to catch the wind, he said, but you're tacking and you're navigating from buoy to buoy, from navigational uh, beacon to navigational beacon, whether virtually or physically. And he said, you can make your way across the San Francisco Bay by, by navigating through these navigational buoys and, and actually end up at your destination without ever having a clear line of sight to where you're going. Mm-hmm. And, and I really internalized that lesson from him is that, okay, I, I have a general idea of where I want to go. I want to go to San Jose. I'm up in, uh, maybe I'm in Oakland and I want to sail to San Jose. Not even sure if that's actually possible, but I know they're across the water from each other, but I can't actually see San Jose, but I, I know that there are navigational buoys, you know, at key locations on the charts between point A and point B. And so I just slowly start working my way, but if I never leave port, I'm never going to get through it. So you got to have the courage to step out and start navigating. Yeah. And I think that goes to being flexible also is just understanding that once you've completed step one, step two will become clear. And once you complete step two, step three becomes clear. And if you can get comfortable with that, you reduce your own stress, anxiety, and physical and mental exhaustion. You just have to accept that that's okay. One of the tips we have here is understanding potential risks and impacts. The reason that people are afraid to take those steps is because they're worried that there's going to be some massive mistake that will reflect poorly on them and and they'll actually ruin their reputation or make some huge visible mistake that everybody all eyes on them what a screw up this person is right and that's what that's why you become paralyzed with fear but you know i i think that the opposite is true that if you're doing nothing that says more about your reputation than trying and failing. And, and, you know, I had brought that up when you were my manager and I was worried about failing. You know, I, I had said, I'm not making progress because I've not done this role and I'm waiting for someone to train me. And you said, you know, nobody's coming. <laughs> so get comfortable with it. There's and no, then there's no, <laughs> there's no night on a white stallion right. coming to rescue you. <laughs> That's right. And I said, well, then I'm, then I'm going to fail. I'm going to get fired (laughs) like because I don't know. I've not done this before, you know, and at the time I was helping manage a product launch campaign for a fortune 50 company. And I had come from a small nonprofit and I'm in this big giant company. I've not 
done product launches. I haven't barely even used Excel and I'm project manager and have to create all these tools. And what you had said to me was, well, you need to stop being afraid of failure. You know, I'll just take your fear away by saying you're going to fail. Nobody goes through their career and never makes a mistake. You will fail. But it's not about whether or not you fail. It's about the size, scale, and impact of the failure. And so what you do to manage that is learn how to identify risks and how big their impact will be on the organization. And you, you make sure that, that the big impact stuff is taken care of and managed and, but the smaller things, if they happen, it's okay, but it's about learning how to identify and manage risks and identify and manage mitigation plans that solve those risks. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think a risk-based approach is, is good. And what I mean by, and you described it beautifully is it's not eliminating risk. It's learning how to work with risk and what's acceptable risk versus what's unacceptable risk and always having a mitigation plan. And not that if you have a mitigation plan that, that it's going to work because sometimes the mitigation plans don't work, but at least you have a plan of attack and you're, you're accepting some trade-offs and if you're not introducing risk into the situation, then you're not doing anything, <laughs> you know? And, and I think one of the comments I had made to you was when you do nothing, you're actually introducing risk, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what's the impact of that risk that you're now introducing? So whether you do nothing or you do something, you're introducing risk, but it's understanding what, what is that risk and, and what's the impact of that risk right. um, and, and what's the potential severity Um, And so better to do something proactive uh, Mm -hmm. than to be passive and and do nothing. I feel that's incredibly important. And and the fact that you're introducing risk means that you're taking action and you're doing something proactive. We're we're kind of in a risk adverse culture, right? We don't, we don't want to accept, we don't want to accept that something could go wrong, but that's, that's how you grow. That's how you learn. That's how you introduce improvements. And it's a little trite, but I'm going to use it anyway. You know, baseball, a really good hitter only hits the ball and, and makes it to base because, it, you know, a hit is just not making contact with the baseball, but it's actually making it to base safely, first base safely. A good baseball player is only getting on base 30% of the time, 33% of the time. And so it's inherently a game of failure. And I think a lot of, a lot of successful ventures in this world are in a way games of failures. And you just got to figure out what, what risk you're willing to take, step into that risk, and then you know have a mitigation plan and keep moving. And I think tack between risks is, uh, is important and knowing how to manage those risks is important. Right. Yeah. You know, I had a colleague recently who was sending an email to a shared mailbox and the shared mailbox was very closely, the title of it was very close to a distribution list. <laughs> Um, that about 30,000 people were on. <laughs> and she uh, she accidentally sent the email to the distribution list. And of course, she's just distraught over it, right? And it didn't say anything bad. It was just, you know, a question. And she, she did the little, like, you can revoke the email <laughs> after it's been sent. But she was so upset about making this mistake. And, and I said to her, you have to remember, like, yes, you, you know, you apologize to who it affected and, and you write what you can, like remove it from people's inboxes if you can, if they haven't opened it yet, et cetera. But also there has to be some space for learning. 
Right. Like we are human. We make mistakes. Failure is inevitable. And, you know, when you make a mistake and you say sorry and you take accountability and ownership for it, I think at least in a healthy work environment, you're going to find that forgiveness is easy and that your reputation suffers much less than the type of risk of not doing anything. Right. Another key point in all of this is you yourself are not an expert, right? No one is an expert in everything. We all have blind spots and gaps. And most of us can only become truly become an expert in a very small, particular knowledge area. But you have people all around you. And this kind of goes back to your original point of identifying your resources. But from a from an intellectual and from a human perspective, identifying those people around you that really have knowledge and subject matter expertise uh, that you can leverage and bring in. And I I don't mean leverage in a negative sense because most people want to contribute their knowledge. They want to contribute their experience. But I always like to find those people around me who have, you know, played this game before, right? Hey, I don't know supply chain, but I'm facilitating a process discussion on supply chain. Well, I'm really good at facilitating meetings. I'm not very good in supply chain. Like I know a little bit just to be dangerous. And even then I'm talking about supply chain management. Like it's this one topic where really it's like warehouse management and picking and packing and, you know, distribution and transportation. And, and so it's really starting to identify, Hey, this is what I'm good at, but to be successful, I need to identify other people who have other strengths and other areas of domain knowledge that are going to augment support and really make this a successful effort. And uh, oftentimes when we're in that place of ambiguity, one of the first things I like to do is identify who are, who are the bearers of knowledge around me? What knowledge do they have to contribute? And even if I don't know how to use them in that moment, I at least am mentally and maybe physically cataloging them, understanding who they are, what they do, what they know, and then building relationship and rapport with them and, and figuring out how they fit in as I tack across the bay. Right. It's like the person I'm coaching who is trying to turn her event management skill set into a project management skill set. What I said to her is, well, who do you know who's done that before? Yeah. Go talk to them. Right. And that's what I asked. You know, I talked about being a management consultant and how you you've got to hit the ground running every time you start a new project because the problem's already big enough that they had to call a consultant. in. That's right. I would often ask my client in that first meeting, like, who has done this before? Who has dealt with this problem before in this organization? And then you go set up time with them. But that was for me when I understood that you can, you don't have to have the answers to everything that you figure out who does have the expertise. And then you build sort of this network of subject matter experts that you can go to with different questions. That was a huge, hugely helpful tool for me in my career. And then it it takes a lot of the pressure off. Also, I don't have to know the answers to everything. And so when I don't know the answer, I go, well, who does? And I go ask them instead of trying to learn it because somebody who's, you know, worked in supply chain management for 10 years is going to do a much better job of advising you than you reading articles and trying to self-train yourself, (laughs) you know, over the course of a week or whatever. So you can do it all. Yeah. Yeah. When it really comes down to it, I think, you know, this whole topic of, of navigating ambiguity is I summarize it as just, you kind of have to be courageous and and being courageous does not 
mean that there's an absence of fear. It means that you acknowledge that you're afraid and you act anyway. Some of the tips and tricks that we've, we've discussed over the last few minutes are really, really helpful and, and being courageous, but you kind of have to gird yourself. As I like to joke, you kind of have to strap in. And as my, as my 18 year old kid would say, you got to send it. You don't do that in a willy nilly sort of way. Again, you, you're curious, you survey your resources, you accept the challenge of the situation that you're in, you accept the ambiguity, uh, you learn how to be flexible and adaptable and amenable to change, which most of us are not inherently that way. We have to learn how to do that. Um, and then as Lindsay and I have been discussing, you really have to identify who around you ha- has the expert knowledge and who, who can you leverage and what relationships can you build that help augment that knowledge base and that solution set that you're trying to, and that direction you're trying to move in. And then it's really just about risk mitigation, risk identification, risk mitigation, understanding what's acceptable, what's not uh, acceptable. And again, it's not about perfection. It's being perfectly imperfect in your approach and uh, realizing that there's an outcome you're trying to drive towards. And if you don't start moving towards it, you're you're never going to get there. It sounds, again, it sounds a little trite, but it's very, very true. There are resources and and Lindsay, I'll I'll let you talk that part, but you know, part of this is giving you guys the tools and the resources uh, to, to successfully navigate through this. That's right. If you want to learn more, get some more details about navigating ambiguity, you can head out to our website, refineandgrow.com and download our tips and tricks sheets. We've got 10 of them and one is dedicated to navigating ambiguity, goes over all the tips that we shared today and also talks about once you've kind of implemented these tips, how do you measure them? How do you know if they're working or not? So that's all for today. Don't forget to head out to our website to download the tips and tricks worksheet from today's episode, download case studies, subscribe to our podcast and newsletter and more. And tune in next week for an all new episode. Thanks for listening.